You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. And Rick, thanks for, I mean, to hear those words coming from you. Um, I mean, that's the way that I look at you. You're just a pivotal part of regional transformation for Indianapolis. I mean, the way that you've stewarded, you know, revival culture in your own heart. And I mean, the way that you truly love people is just an example. I'm watching Rick, you know, help. He's got the umbrella going out to people's cars and, and making sure that they don't get, you know, overly wet coming in on that torrential downpour that happened for however long you don't see you don't you just don't see many people do that in general let alone many many pastors we get a lot of things i'm a pastor you know i'm a a local church lover and so i believe everything flows out of the local church and to see see you do that you know and then to hear you say things like that about me is just um you're one of my heroes you know so thanks for for what you've cultivated here the presence of god is is tangible and um us that preach call this good good preaching weather and so you can preach anywhere but sometimes the the worship team and the atmosphere that's been cultivated by the people in their hearts um, makes it to where you're not plowing um, and you're doing more more uh, reaping (laughs) than you are plowing so thanks for that Um, thanks for the kind introduction and I'm glad I get to be with you guys tonight it's I figured in my mind um, that it's been over two years because it was when Josh, actually before they were, Josh and Jenny were just beginning to become a thing at that point. And so you guys were, were all here, weren't we're all, all of you were, were here. And so we've seen God show up and do some really, really cool things. And um, that's what I'm hoping for again tonight. Um, yeah, so if you don't know me, my wife Lindsay and I get the privilege of, of leading with others um, at Revive the World Ministries, and uh, that's in Greenwood, and we are just saying yes to everything God wants to do, whether we understand it, whether we um, can comprehend it, or it's, you know, it's just whatever Jesus paid for, we want it all, and um, we're just not scared of it being messy. <laughs> Because God doesn't show up in a neat little box like we want him to sometimes, right? Sometimes we have an idea of what revival will look like or what we want God to do when he shows up. And we say, this is what you can do. And anything outside of this, we're not really sure of if I don't understand it or haven't seen it before. And so we just had God break all the boxes and blow up our paradigms. And, and, um, and, and so that, that's a process. Um, but it's been a good process. And so we're, we're enjoying the ride. Of, um, of what it looks like to have all that Jesus paid for. And I believe that we're probably teetering on about 1% um, of, of what we're going to see. Uh, but I'm thankful for the 1% because, I mean, since we, we've been here last, we, we've gotten um, the privilege of seeing God do a lot of amazing things. Um, a lot of amazing things. And you'll, you'll hear tonight, I'm going to hopefully share some testimonies after I pray in here in just a second. And... Um, your testimonies from the streets. We, I love to, so I love to be inside the church. I'm called to train and equip people in who they were created to be and what they're supposed to walk in as I'm learning more of that myself. 
and positioning my heart to a, as a son to anybody that's in any given room that I'm in. I can learn from you know, uh, an, a, a child uh, or anybody that's of any age in between child and, and uh, elder, adult, and um, you never want to stop learning, right? You never want to stop being teachable. Do I have a time limit? Uh, by, midnight. Hmm? by midnight. By midnight, okay. My wife would probably like me home by then. At least she'd like to get a text. And I, I'm, yeah, I'm on. It says E right there. So, <clears throat> but I can learn constantly from anybody. And, and so that's, you know, I love to do things inside the church. It's where we saw a lot, we've seen a lot of breakthrough on the inside of the church, but honestly, I'm seeing more breakthrough outside the four walls of the church. And, and so one of, one of the things that I love to do is run towards, run towards darkness. So my full-time position, what I get paid for is, is senior, senior pastor, senior leader, whatever you want to call it. I'm not a, a conventional, traditional pastor in, in the way that you may think, um, but you know, my gifting falls in, in there. And so, but I love to run towards dark places. Because where's light shine brightest at? In darkness. I remember there was a missionary that, was, uh, that came to current church when we were there, the church that helped plant us, um, probably six years ago or so. And I don't remember anything else she said, but I remember this one thing, and I felt like it was what I needed. And she said, find the darkness you're called to and go there. Doesn't mean you're supposed to go overseas. Doesn't mean that everybody's called to be a missionary. Doesn't even mean that you're necessarily called to go to some of the places that, that I am and, and vice versa. I'm not necessarily called to go to the places that you are. Um, but there's darkness all around us and, it, and they are crying out for light and life and love. That becomes our responsibility, right? And so let's pray before we go any further. And that's what I kind of want to talk to you about, about tonight. This is a kingdom life night. And so uh, we're going to talk about kingdom life, what it looks like to be, to be kingdom people, because that's what it is. We're, we're, we come into Christianity, um, but we came in to, to be kingdom, to release kingdom, um, to walk in kingdom ways. It, it's a transformational process. And I, I say this sometimes, and I've heard it said before, and, and so... Push pause before you jump to conclusions before I get to the end of this statement. But if, if the whole world got saved today, it would not fix all the world's problems. Amen. Because there's a process that teaches us how to think kingdom that every one of us come into when we say yes to Jesus. And so that begins the process of learning kingdom, even, you know, kingdom finances, kingdom relationship, whether it's in your marriage, in your parenting, um, you know, doing kingdom business, what it looks like to live kingdom in every aspect of our lives, because there is no separation between secular and sacred. When you become a Christian, when I became a Christian, everything became holy, holy, holy unto the Lord, every aspect of our lives. I love what I've heard a dear friend of mine say, David Wagner. He, he says that, you know, he got this word from Cheon's wife one time. And it was essentially this, and I've adapted this because I believe it's truth, is that Jesus is not supposed to be first place and then, you know, your marriage is second and then your kids are third. And then, but Jesus actually is the center of everything that you do. That's what he wants to be. He wants to be the center of everything that you do, the center. He wants to interact with you in relationship, in intimacy, in every aspect of your life. He doesn't want just one part of it. He wants every part of it. 
He wants to do life with you as He releases life in you and through you. So Father, we thank You for the privilege that we get tonight. We thank You for the worship team and the way that they've cultivated Your presence, the way that this house has cultivated Your presence through an intimate relationship with You. I thank You that the cry of this house has been uh, more of You. And I thank you, Father, that as I heard walking in the door, I felt like um, Jesus said this to me. He said, I'm ready to fill this house again. And as a pastor, my first thought would be numbers. Because <laughs> that's what we often think. Um, you're going to fill it with more people. But I felt like the again part was an upgrade in the glory of God that he's releasing a new measure of the glory here. That your prayers have been heard by God. That the time that you spent in your own personal prayer closets, the time that you spent in intercession, the times that, that you spent in, in group prayers, that those things have come up before God and the Father is releasing a new measure on this house. <laughs> I believe that more people are coming with it. I believe that more, not just people, but key people that are going to be at the very bottom stages of building process because this is a house that was meant to build people. This is a house that was made to build people into all that they were created to be. Because this is a house who sees people the way that the Father sees them, no matter what area of life they're in, or what stage of life, or what they're walking in, or what they're not. And so, Father, I thank you for a house that has already been building kingdom on the inside of themselves through intimacy with you. And that is continuing to build the kingdom, not just in the house, but all around it. So Holy Spirit, come tonight, as their cry has been since the beginning of worship, the cry of the hearts in this house, that you would come tonight and that you'd do anything that you want to do, even if we don't understand it. Even if hopefully we've never seen it before. We pray that you do something we've never heard about, never read about. that you just come any way that you want to because you're the only thing that we really truly need. We need you. We need you, Jesus. Come as you are, please. If you want, bring all the angels that can fit in this place too. So we know there's lots of ministry that they do that we may be aware or unaware of. So we thank you, Father. I thank you even right now for, for bringing divine alignment and disorders. I thank you for bringing divine alignment and chemical disorders inside of people right now. That you've been diagnosed or with a chemical imbalance or there's a disorder in that area. Manic, depressive. I just feel like God is bringing divine alignment right now to, the, to that. Yeah, thank you, Father. Yeah, I believe that he's bringing correction too in, in the alignment of bodies. Well, thank you, Father, for, for shifting hips back into place, lower backs, spines. Thank you, Father, for what you're doing right now. Thank you for the people that will even feel them shift back into place. Thank you for pain leaving backs right now in Jesus' name. Yeah, thank you, Father. <laughs> thank you, Lord. And I believe before the end of the night, there's going to be hope that's restored. I feel like that the Father's releasing a new level of hope. And for some, He's shifting your perspective tonight to be able to have a, a hope-filled perspective like you've never had before. 
And that through that, He's going to give you an increase of joy. That your joy is going up the same way that your hope is going up. It's all going to come from a perspective shift. Yeah, thank you, Father. Yeah, thanks for... Yeah, thanks for what you're doing right now. In Jesus' name. Thanks, Jesus. Thanks, Jesus. You can tell me, you can tell Rick or one of the other leaders that if you got healing tonight or, you know, even in that just few moments, I want to, we want to know about it before the end of the night. In a moment like that, Two weeks ago, we saw a young lady who had disassociative disorder, dissociative personality disorder from trauma in a relationship. And in a moment, she got healed of disassociative disorder. It's stuff that psychologists and counselors say that you'll never be healed of again. You'll take medicine for the rest of your life. In a moment's time, God healed her. Nobody laid hands on her. Nobody prayed for her. Nobody declared anything. Nobody prophesied anything. It was just Holy Spirit come and healed her in a moment. Uh, of trauma from the dis I mean she had dissociative disorder bad <clears throat> she she gave testimony about it you know it was I think it was a week or, or two later she came uh, would have been three weeks ago and then, and then a week ago she came and shared it so never discount never think that you I'm all for the laying on of hands and people praying for you interceding for you never discount what God can do in a moment no human help necessary <laughs> right yeah, so thanks, Father. I mean, His presence is here. When he's, he, His presence is here, that means He's present, right? His presence isn't just a thing. The presence is a person. We call Him Holy Spirit. And so when He shows up, anything is possible. There's nothing. When you, even sometimes when we, were, we, we think that we're restricting an area of our heart to Him or an area of our lives to Him, when you're in the room, you, you have even remotely subjected yourself to what he wants to do because you showed up. And he took that as a sign of faith. <laughs> when, you, when you got in your car to go here, when you made up in your mind that you were coming tonight, you connected your faith with God doing something. <laughs> he honors all levels of faith. All right? It doesn't, it doesn't matter if it's you know, whether you've got great faith or you feel like you have no faith, let me share you this with you. Faith's not a feeling. You have the faithful one living on the inside of you, and so do I. So you're, you're full of faith whether you feel like it or not. <laughs> That's good news, right? Jesus lives in you. You'll never lack faith because He's inside you. Oh, makes me happy because sometimes... I know there. Oh, we were at the we were at the movie theater. You know, this was in December. I'd just done a wedding. We went to a late movie. I don't go to late movies anymore because those reclining seats. It's just I love them, but you know, it's it could be a bad thing. I'm going to go to sleep. I'm going to miss. You know, paid twelve fifty to see this movie, and I really wanted to see it. You know, and I can't press pause on it. I can't DVR it. And so I'm going to have to pay the same money to go back again. <laughs> and if Lindsay stayed awake, I'm going to have to go by myself, and I'm just not going to do that. So, so we walk into the movie theater with two of our friends and, um, after this wedding, and this young man has uh, a, a brace on that keeps his arm in this position, in the upward position. He had torn tendons in his shoulder, two torn tendons in his shoulder from football. <clears throat> 
I go back over to him. He's working the, the ticket counter. You know, there's not very many of us late at night. And, and so I think we were going to see Aquaman. <laughs> and so we... <laughs> it's a decent movie. I don't think it's, you know what I mean? Very risky. And so I didn't think it was that great. I, well, my friends thought it was good, but so I did stay awake. But so we walk away. And anytime I see somebody with a braised cast cane, hear me when I say this, you can't pray for every person that you walk past. But there are moments when you have an opportunity. And this is one of them times when I just felt like I was being pulled towards him. And so as soon as I walk up to him, I ask him what's wrong with me. He tells me what I just told you. His name is Jalen. And I asked him if I can pray for him. And in the moment I got ready to pray for him, and even as I began to pray, there was doubt in my mind. This is just in December. We see miracles all the time. I thought this isn't, this isn't going to happen. And it was because of the way that I felt. I felt drained. I was wore down. I was tired. And I went off the way that I felt. And my human mind started to try to interact with the mind of Christ. But I still prayed. Lindsay and I come back to the movie theater a couple days later because we like movies. And I go over to the counter and I see Jalen. And he says, it was, I'm sorry, it was the following Friday. This was like on a Saturday night. And so it had been almost a whole week. And I go up to Jalen and I say, hey man, how you doing? He doesn't have his brace on anymore. I say, how you doing? How's your shoulder? And he said, man, the craziest thing. I woke up two days later, didn't have any pain. Went to the doctor, got his brace off, torn tendons, completely healed. And I had doubt in my mind. It just shows you you're less a part of the miracle than you may think you are. <laughs> and so that makes me feel good, right? <laughs> because I don't, li- I don't live by what I... Faith's not a, a, faith's not a feeling. And so what I want to talk to you tonight about is I get, the, I get the huge privilege of going into some of the places um, that are my, they're my favorite, but there are places where Christians don't necessarily like to go um, for whatever reasons. And maybe we'll hit some of those reasons tonight and maybe it will convict you. And um, I hope it does. When somebody preaches a message, I hope that it convicts my heart. Don't confuse conviction with condemnation or guilt because they're not the same thing. When you feel bad, you're condemned. That's not from God. But when you're convicted, when something hits your heart and you say, my life isn't like that. I don't respond in love like that. What it is, it's an invitation into a greater reality that Jesus paid for for all of humanity that says yes to him. Everybody that says yes to him, he's holding out his hand every time you get convicted and he's inviting you into the more that he paid for, for you and for me. Isn't that exciting? Yes. You don't have to do anything for it. I'll just say yes and allow truth to transform that part of your mind that's not transformed yet. <laughs> and, so, and so about four years ago, we started going to uh, the Indie Pride Festivals. The Indie Gay Pride Festivals. Let me, so some of you that may be unaware of what a Pride Festival is, it's the Indie Gay Pride Festivals that have been going on in Indianapolis since the late 80s. Um, they have anywhere in attendance from 50 to 100,000 people. And so where there's a lot of people, I like to be. And anywhere there may be any remotely type of chaos, I feel like that's where Jesus would be. 
And so about four years ago, the first time I ever went in there, I went over there with Jimmy uh, or Jim and Joni Nelson. <clears throat> Maybe his mom called him Jimmy, I don't know. <laughs> He's a little bit older, old for that right now, I think. But um, you grow out of that probably about, you know, 18, 20. But um, so these are amazing people who, who introduced me through Dave Knoll into what it is to go to festivals and do... Um, give prophetic words, do dream interpretation, and essentially just love on people. Now, when they go into these festivals, and now when we go into these festivals, we don't actually call it um, prophetic words. We call them spiritual readings, and um, we offer physical healing because the world believes it's for today, but not all the church does. And um, that's all right, we're catching up. And so we offer dream interpretation, and we offer, this year, first time ever, we offered spiritual cleansings. If you'd asked me what it meant uh, when I put it on a board and offered it to people, I don't know that I would be able to tell you, but it's a new age way of saying uh, deliverance. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe I'll tell you a neat story that has to do with that. Because we're looking to appeal to people who dislike, disdain the church, and some for very good reason. All right? They don't have a problem with Jesus, but they do have a problem with Christians. And so I don't lead with that. <laughs> I don't lead with that on the street anymore. I went up to a young lady one time and she, she told me that she didn't want prayer after I told her what was wrong with her body. And she didn't tell me. And then I told her, I said, hey, I'm a Christian, love to pray for people, see people healed. And I said, can I pray for you? And she said, no. And I'm like, she was young. College age, she was in town for a basketball game. I think they were playing IUPUI or something. And I walked away from the interaction. That was actually in December too. And I thought, what just happened? I told her what was wrong with her. I was loving, smiled, you know. I don't look threatening. <laughs> so I felt like she would accept, everybody else accepts prayer. And when I got into the elevator to go up to do um, it was the night before the wedding, so we were doing rehearsal, and the Holy Spirit said this to me. He said, why don't you treat the world the way that you do at the Pride Festival? He said, isn't the world like one big Pride Festival? And I'm like, yeah, you're absolutely right. They're all proud of whatever it is, and maybe some of them are ashamed of what they do, but it's all a free-for-all of just do whatever you want, right? And he said, well, we'll treat it like that. So this is, I learned this from, from Jim and Joni, and we've, we've, uh, we've grown and we've transformed a, a little bit of, of what we do. Um, so the first year that I went in there, it was, it was scary to me because I didn't know if I could operate in a way that I wasn't accustomed to operating on inside the church. I didn't, I was being stretched, and being stretched is a really good thing. But what was really being stretched was my heart, is that can I look at somebody that is in a lifestyle that opposes everything that I believe in and can I look at them with love in my eyes and see what the Father sees? It's the only question that really matters. It's the only question that really matters. The, question that, the questions that don't matter are, are can you operate in the prophetic? Can you see miracles happen? Can you get people free? Can you get somebody to pray a prayer of salvation? Can you preach good messages? 
All those things have a place, but they're all second to whether or not we are looking at people the way that the Father does and are looking at them with love in our eyes. So when I went to these pride festivals, it was an introduction to me to, to who God wanted me to be. Who God had always designed not just me to be, but all of us to be. And so I got a crash course in what love looked like. And, and I found out a harsh reality in my own life that there were things that were still on the inside of me that were performance driven. There were things that were still on the inside of me that, were, that did not look like love. And so I prayed this prayer. I said, God, anything in, in my foundation that's not love, I ask that you tear it out and you replace it with love. And, and I know that I don't have this. I'm not going to ever have to choose this. But I told him, I said, if I have to, to now hear me when I say this, I value the, the word of God. God values the word above his name, right? That's what the Bible says. I value the word of God. I base my whole life off of it. I believe in having sound theology and, and what John Wimber said. We want equal parts Word and equal parts Holy Spirit, right? So I want as much Word as I can get and as much Holy Spirit as I can get. I want them both. God, I want just one or the other. I got to have them both. So I wanted to preface that first for those that don't know me. But I said this in that prayer. I said, if I had to choose between loving like you and learning more theology, more, more stuff in your Word, I'd choose loving like you. God's faithful to answer prayers like that. Because you and I were created to look like love. I'll take you all the way back to Genesis 1, but I don't feel like that's necessary with this crowd. We were created to be in His image. We were created in His likeness. And in other words, to be like Him. It's kingdom life. That's what we're talking about tonight, right? You and I were created to be liked. Let me read some of the Bible before we go any further. In Matthew chapter 5, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says this. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 through 16. I don't, I, I don't find it a coincidence that he starts the Sermon on the Mount at the beginning of chapter 5, and 14 verses later, this is his statement. And he says a lot between chapter 5 and chapter 7, right? There's a whole lot of good truth in there that turns everything that they had been believing upside down on its head because that's what kingdom does. Everything that we've been taught by the world in the world's culture, everything that we were born into, everything that was developed in us as children, at least the majority of us, and even some of us that were raised in church because it's, you know, the world's culture sleeps into the church too sometimes. It just happens. But everything that we were taught by the world's culture, everything we were born into, the kingdom is, opposes it. It's upside down, right? So Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 says this, You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. It does not, is Jesus the light of the world? Yes, right? In this, he says, you're the light of the world. Both are true. He lives in you. He lives in me. So you and I are the light of the world. That's why it says in Isaiah to arise and shine. Because you're light. 
Sometimes you just showing up somewhere will do more damage to the enemy's kingdom than any prayer, prophetic word that you could ever give. When you show up and know who you are, when you, show, when you and I show up and know who we are and, w- and what we are and who we are, darkness is being destroyed everywhere that you go. And I believe that, that the best way is for it to be, is for be that we're unconscious of it happening. You're in the grocery store and, and light is being released with every step that you take. Everywhere that you and I go, light is being released. You and I were created to be light. It wasn't just one day when you would get saved, you would become light. From the foundation of the world, the Father thought about you and I, had us in His heart. Everybody that's ever been born into the earth, the Father had each one of us in His heart, in His mind, before the foundation of the world. Before the whole thing existed. Before any one person was ever on the planet. And His dream, His intention, His purpose, His plan was for you and I to be light. Isn't that amazing? You have purpose. You had purpose before you were ever born. Before your parents ever thought about you. Before your parents were ever here. Or their parents. Or their parents. Is that He had a plan and a purpose for you and I. Somebody needs to hear that tonight. You think that you're just here existing, or you think that you're just a part of a church, or you're just serving in this capacity, or you're just here to do this job. Your purpose is way bigger than what you're currently doing. Your purpose is to affect generations on down the line, three and four generations down the line. The things that you are contending for, the, the battles that you are fighting, I talked about this some on Sunday, <clears throat> is that the battles that you've been going through, sometimes we become, this. I, I do this often, I become uh, self-absorbed. I'm probably the only one in the room, but I, sometimes I become self-absorbed. And, and I think about just what's going on in the moment. I think about what's just going on that week. And then when I face something, some kind of opposition, just in life, I'm not even talking about the enemy, just in refinement. You know, we're constantly, be, hopefully, we're constantly being refined by, by truth, by the Word of God, and by the love of God. It's good to be transformed by both, but it takes truth. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Free to do what? Free to be everything you were created to be. That's what the freedom is. The whole plan was to have a planet full of people who knew who they, who know who they are as sons and daughters, and it can live out of that reality every day of their life, not striving, not performing, but living a life of love in everything that we do. And so when I'm short-sighted and self-absorbed and the things that I come up against that, that, that are, are, you know, coming against bad thinking or, or lies that I believe or, or, or lower levels of truth, I sometimes don't realize that those battles that I'm facing, I am, when I don't disengage and I continue to push in until there's breakthrough and my mind is transformed, that that breakthrough is for my son and that breakthrough is for his kids and that breakthrough is for their kids and their kids. So let that encourage you 
and give you hope and strength in whatever season you're in right now, that the battles that you've fought are bringing breakthrough to generations. And the ones that you will fight, in the grand scheme of things, they really aren't about you. Because everything in the kingdom, when we say yes to Jesus, he says die. Die to yourself. So that you become who I created you to be. And then everything else becomes selfless. <laughs> right? The world's culture is selfish. And then everything we're doing in the kingdom is selfless. And so it's a process. And so being the light of, of the world, we get to be the light of the world. Jesus said this other amazing phrase in John 14. So Jesus is, you know, telling them that I'm preparing a place for you. You'll know the way. They're like, we don't know where you're going. We don't even know how to get there. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Our responsibility in that, because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and he lives on the inside of us, our responsibility becomes to show people the way, to allow truth to transform us, at the same time release truth, and to release life everywhere that we go. Light, life, and love. Most powerful forces on the earth. I don't care what's come up against you, what you've faced, or what you've been told in spiritual warfare. Let me say this, if your theology or eschatology does not bring you hope, I would question whether or not it comes from the God of all hope. That's what I question. When I get a revelation in the Word of God, when I'm teaching the Word of God, preaching the Word of God, releasing truth or prophetic words, whatever's happening in a moment, if I'm not releasing hope, I question whether or not it came from the God of all hope. And so we go to these these pride festivals. (laughs) We went this year, like I said, we've, we've went, this is our third time. In four years, we've went three times. This year, we went to two different ones. We went to Spencer Pride. Um, you know, Spencer's like a town of, I don't know, is there a thousand people there? Uh, I, there's, there's not very many. I, I was shocked that they had a Pride Festival, but there were some people that were getting in a tent. They'd never done it before. They wanted us to come. I did a training. I'd never done a Pride Festival training before, but I just talked about being love and, and things that you don't say. And, and um, one of my uh, pet peeves in, in, in life and in ministry and, and daily goals is don't say anything dumb. I feel like that's a good goal. It's obtainable. And definitely don't do it publicly while you're being recorded. I think that's just wisdom, right? And so, and so we, did, we did this training that it should have been longer. And, they, they, you know, I had unrealistic expectations for the people that were coming through the training. And so when we got to the Spencer Pride Festival, the people that are there are nervous because they'd never done this before. And so they're sitting back and they're watching um, just a handful of us from, from Revive the World uh, do, you know, give prophetic words, spiritual readings, and, um, and, and pray for people and see people healed. And so in three hours, we saw mm, upwards of 100 people come through our tent. That's a lot of ministry for six people. (laughs) 
I couldn't even eat. I was trying to eat a corn dog, and you know I'm hungry if I'm trying to eat a corn dog because I just don't. And so Lindsay hands it to me. That's my wife. And, and, and I, I have to put it back down because they're like, somebody else is waiting for you. And so uh, these people, and the majority of the people we saw at this Pride Festival, where that they came into the tent, were, were in their early 20s or, or late teens, as young as 16. The majority of them were in that, that age demographic, probably 16 to 28. And I said upwards of 100 people in a town the size of Spencer. Small. And so we saw, up until the Indy Pride Festival, it was the greatest, most impactful day I've ever had in ministry. We saw a person, I saw 100% of every person that came through healed. Every single word that we gave, they've said was right on. We had, a, we had three Reiki healing masters. Are you familiar with Reiki healing? Anybody? Know what energy, energy healing, Reiki healing master. We had three Reiki healing masters come through. One of them came through for a spiritual cleanse. <laughs> the first one I've ever done. And she asked me for a spiritual cleanse. And then she asked me, well, I'd like to know what it is. And so the right thing, sometimes Holy Spirit just makes you look like a genius, right? Like you know what you're talking about and you don't have a clue. And, and so I tell her, you know, the, the stuff that you, I said, do you ever feel like you get slimed when you're working with clients and you're, you know, because you're in close contact with them and what's on them gets on you? She's like, yeah. I'm like, we're going to get all that stuff off you and all the darkness that's surrounding you, we're going to release light and it's going to leave. Her mom had just been healed. Her feet had level 10 pain in them from somebody help me nerve pain neuropathy Neuropathy. there we go it's even got it in the name level 10 pain all her mom's pain leaves and she watches this she's a reiki healing master she has prayed for her mom and not seen results and then she sees because at the end of our prayers we always say we don't lead with this we tell them after Jesus did this. I don't know what you heard about him, but he loves you. He did this because he loves you. All the healing that came, all the accurate words, the dream interpretation, anything that happened, the presence that you felt, all Jesus, every bit Jesus. We make sure we represent Jesus well and in truth. We just have a different method. Don't ever get caught up on a formula that's one way because it becomes legalistic. You become trapped in the confines of one way to minister and the Holy Spirit has no room to move the way that He wants to. And then when we do that, we actually cut ourselves off from greater influence to be able to reach the rest of the world that we were created to reach. Because we think that we can only minister in one particular way. I am not in any way saying compromise the gospel. I will never compromise the gospel. I will... I laid down my life for the gospel years ago in an 8 by 10 room where they wouldn't let me out except for when they said I could go. I was suicidal, homicidal, schizophrenic, addicted. Jesus set me free in a moment and I prayed this prayer to him before he set me free. I said, if, if, if you'll build me back up the way that you intended me to be, 
I'll go anywhere you want me to go. I'll say anything you want me to say. I'll do anything you want me to do. And he set me free in that moment. And I, I, I just laid down my line. I just, this is everything we live for. I, I don't have anything to go back to. There's no plan B. There's no other education. There's no other career path. This is, this is it. The gospel every day, all day, just be, be the gospel and then preach it when you get to. All right? So I'm not in any way in saying compromise the gospel. I'm just saying that there are other ways to reach the people that you may be trying to reach that are ineffective, that, that the way your ways have been being ineffective. I found that out. Holy Spirit's like, let me be Jehovah Sneaky. You won't find that in the Old Testament, but it's one of my favorite names for God. It all produces the same fruit. So we're at the Spencer Pride Festival and we see all these miracle after miracle after miracle and we get to the end and it's been three and a half hours in. I said we were going to stay till, till three. It's 3.30 and, and I catch eyes with, with Nikki and, and Sam and, and um, part of our core team and, and Lindsay and I, you know, I look over at her and She's got a guy there that's all tattooed up and pierced and he's sitting down. He's got a ball cap on. I wish I could show you the picture that I can't because I probably wasn't supposed to take it. But I'll tell you why in here in a minute. But um, so she, I don't know, but she's, this guy starts to like manifest, um, but not in the good kind of way. You know, like Holy Spirit manifestation. He's like, you know, well, the reason is, is because he's a pagan high priest. He used to be a Pentecostal youth pastor. Something went terribly wrong. Right? You know what happened? He didn't see him loving people. That was his last words to his youth group. Just love people. Peace, I'm out of here doesn't mean that the church drove him into darkness. That was his own choice. But the lack of love caused something to be more attractive to him. Never divide love and power. I know power and love conferences are amazing with, with Todd White and all that stuff. And, and he does that for a purpose and, and for a reason. I love his teaching. But never believe that they're separate forces. They're all one force. And that love is supposed to actually drive power. God is love. It's not an attribute. It's not, only, it's not just part of his nature. It's actually who he is. It envelops everything that he does. It's for love because he is love. And so this pagan high priest is sitting there. And Nikki's never done a deliverance before. So she's thinking that we're going to have to do a deliverance. And she, you know, and so I walk over there and I just see this, you know, dude. And as soon as I sit down, I see a, an angel walk up behind him and, and touch his shoulder. And I don't even know what's going on here. I don't know what's wrong with him. I'm like, hey, was there something wrong with your shoulder? And he's like, yeah, it pops out of place all the time. I'm like, why don't you check it out? So I don't tell him what happened because I don't want to freak him out. I don't know that he's a pagan high priest or anything at this point. I just know that he's the guy that's sitting in front of us. And so he goes, he moves his shoulder and he says, doesn't pop out of place anymore. And I'm like, yay, I did see, you know, I saw that, that was right. <clears throat> he had level 10 pain throughout his whole body every day. You could probably guess there were some reasons why he had that. 
all his pain leaves. All his neck stiffness leaves. It was amazing. The most amazing part was, is Nikki says this. She says, why don't you close your eyes? We're going to ask the Creator to speak to you about you. We want the Creator to speak to you about how He feels about you. He sits there with his eyes closed and his hands out. And I saw this tear develop on his eyelash. That's when I snapped a picture. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus, for iPhones with good cameras. Because you can zoom in, you can see that tear getting ready to roll down his face. It was right when Jesus was speaking to him about how he felt about him. He was a pagan high priest. He wasn't speaking to him about what he was in. He wasn't speaking to him about his current lifestyle. I'd be willing to guess that he knew it was wrong. Right? But Jesus doesn't measure in right and wrong. He measures in truth and love. He was telling them the truth about who he is because he loves him. And he created him for love. And he created him to be love. Calculated strikes of truth and love is what we were created to do. It's what happened to you and I, right? You may not recall exactly what happened, but if you, you recount and look back over your life, you would see that people were speaking truth, were being love, releasing light, releasing life to you throughout your life to the point that got to your salvation, right? Sowing seed, watering. Sowing seed, watering. When we go to those pride festivals, there's a lot of sowing seed and a lot of watering. A lot of sowing seed and a lot of watering. God brings the increase anyway, right? I don't ever press the, I don't ever force the, the envelope of getting somebody to say a prayer. Salvation is the greatest miracle you'll ever see. Right? I, I don't care if you see somebody that has no arms, both their arms grow back, or a paraplegic you know, their their arms, their legs, everything, you know, gets working again. Or somebody that was born deaf and and blind and mute and they see, hear, and speak again. You'll never see a great, if you see all that happen, you'll never see a greater miracle than the salvation of someone's soul. Right? I mean, come on. Jesus paid for the whole package deal. And He'll do whatever it takes within the spiritual laws that he said, to, he said to get to people. And so that's what we're doing there. We're showing them that they're loved. And that young man got to find out that day that despite he turned his back on God and got into something that was sitting him on a fast track to hell, that God was still coming after him with his love. I mean, that's just who the Father is, right? And if you see that that's who the Father is, then that's what you and I were created to be. And if there's something in me that won't allow me to go after somebody with love, then I need to check my own heart and find out why.
If I don't love people the way that I see Jesus love people, the way I see the Father love people through Jesus, let me say it that way, then there's more transformation. Again, you hear this. Let it convict your heart. It's an invitation into a greater reality of who you and I were created to be. There's times when I'm preaching, I'm saying things that I didn't plan, and they come out of my mouth, and it convicts my own heart. Because <laughs> you think that those, the people that are called to preach and teach and do all those things, that we, we, you know what I mean, that we have, this, <laughs> we have this amazing life and just have it all together and get all this profound revelation, and you know what I mean? And, you know what, I do have an amazing life and, and, and I feel like I do get some, some profound revelation, at least it is for me. But everything that you get a message for, if you're a teacher or you're a preacher, everything that you get revelation for that you think that you're supposed to share with somebody else, what it is supposed to do is change you before you ever give it away. It's a, it begins a process. So that what you teach just, doesn't just become knowledge to someone else, but it actually comes impartation. Because you can teach what you know, but you can only impart who you are. So the me- I need to become the message. So in moments like this, when I'm seeing the Father love people through me in ways that sometimes I'm still not able to do it on a daily basis. Because you can do it in a moment well with a stranger, but then sometimes you have a hard time doing it with the people that are in your own house. <laughs> Because you don't wake up next to them, right? <laughs> right? They don't have a chance to aggravate you or, or, or frustrate you because you only spent 15 minutes with them. And the whole time you were spiritually high and charged up and you were, you know, the prophetic was flowing and miracles were happening. You were excited and it was amazing. You were hugging and high-fiving and, and doing all these things. But you know what? The, the, all the other time that you smell the people that are close to you, it becomes more of a process of learning how to love them the way that the Father loves them. It becomes actually, that actually is the true, let me say it like this. The people that we are around the most, how we treat them, how well we love them, is actually shows us where we're growing or where we're not. It's not on outreach. It's not when I'm at the Pride Festival and I'm all charged up. It's actually with my wife. It's actually with my son. It's actually with the people that are close to my life and I'm spending the most time with that I can actually measure whether or not I'm growing in love. You and I were created to grow in love to the point that nothing ever, ever, ever offends me or you. Do you believe that? Did I just offend you? (laughs) I don't ever try to offend people, but I do like to shock them. Some people like to ease you in. I like to shock you. Maybe that's just because of the way that I'm built. Let me read this to you. And I'm going to tell you another story. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. I feel that it's legal to read out of the Passion Translation here because Rick just did. I'm blaming your pastor. I'm sorry, I would have read it out of it anyway. 
Colossians 3 verse 12 in the Passion Translation says this, you are always and dearly loved by God. That's a good word, right? You are always and dearly loved by God. When? How often? Always. Depending on my behavior? No. For some people, that scares them. When they hear the unconditional love of the Father, that He's not focused on behavior, but He's focused on identity. I'll tell you why it does. Because they believe that if, if your behavior isn't corrected, then it will cause you to live a life that is full of sin, right? You just do anything you want. It's sloppy grace. I don't believe that you can over-exaggerate grace, honestly, because grace empowers you to live the life that Jesus demonstrated to us, which was one without sin. That the power of sin has been broken over our lives, and then now sin becomes a choice. And I don't have to be a slave to it anymore. It's not my master. Because whoever who, who I choose to obey becomes my master, right? I love Romans, it's amazing. It set me free. It set me free because I know that I'm no longer a slave to the things that I once was. Because Jesus paid a very high price for you and I not to be. And so now I don't have to go back to any of that. <laughs> I don't know about you, but that makes me happy. <laughs> really, really happy. And so now I become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, which means I'm in right standing with Him. He robed me in His righteousness through His grace, by faith, nothing that I did. I didn't do anything to earn what He gave us, right? I didn't even give my... I didn't even... It wasn't like I even chose to believe because the Father first drew me to Him and then opened my eyes to truth and then gave me the faith, the measure of faith enough to believe in Jesus. <laughs> he gave me the revelation of Jesus. So He did the whole thing. He does it for everybody. He's just that good. You're always and dearly loved by God. So robe yourself with virtues of God since you have been divinely chosen to be holy. Be merciful as you endeavor to understand others and be compassionate, showing kindness toward all. Be gentle and hum humble, unoffendable in your patience with others. Let me read that last part again. I, I think that some of you missed it. So be gentle and humble, unoffendable in your patience with others. Be unoffendable. You know why the, the, that the Bible can say be unoffendable? And it's because... Love's unoffendable. Whatever offends me reveals me. So when I'm offended, what it does is it reveals a part of me that's actually supposed to be crucified with Christ, but it's not. And so what I do when something offends me, I thank them for offending me. One of our leaders, one of our friends, one of my truth tellers. I thank them for offending me and I get alone with Holy Spirit and I say, why did this offend me? Because it won't offend you. Nothing offended Jesus. They spit on him, they beat him, they mocked him, they betrayed him. They made lies up about him and nothing offended him. And he's my example. He's your example. And so when things offend me, it's actually an invitation into a greater reality of love that you and I were created to walk in. 
So you want to test your, 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 your <laughs> whether or not you're offendable? <laughs> I'm not going to show you the pictures that uh, I have from the Pride Festival. And not because they're, you know, there's anything wrong or there's too much showing, even though when you go down there, you got to look people in the eyes when you talk to them because you don't know what they will have or what will not have on. And <clears throat> it's just the truth. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just how it is down there. And, you know, it's no different than going to some beaches. Actually, it's a, a little different. But um, <laughs> so, so we, we, go to, we go to this Pride Festival in Indy this year, 2019. And um, I've been talking to my friend um, Jeff McClinic and, and Siraj. Uh, they're going in with us. And we, we bring some other people from uh, Revive. And Jeff and Siraj have never been to a Pride Festival. And so I'm giving them a crash course on... On, on what we do and, and how we operate. And, um, and they're two of my favorite people in the world, you know, kind of like one of them's like a spiritual son, even though they probably mentor me as much as, as I mentor them. And um, we just, we, we're just growing together. We're grow, growing together and walking in, in the kingdom together. And, 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 it's, and it's a lot of fun. We went out to the east side uh, last Saturday and, and saw nine people give their life to Jesus in about an hour and a half. In around 10th and Rule, which is supposed to be the worst neighborhood in Indianapolis. It's amazing. They've seen, uh, you know, 20 people give their life to Jesus in the last couple of weeks over there. That's just on two outreaches, three hours total. That's pretty amazing, right? Yeah. That already excites you. God's changing. I believe He's doing it from the inside out in the city in, in some ways because He wants to show us that. It wants to encourage the rest of us that when he, he's changing the neighborhoods that they call to be the worst, that he's actually going to show us that, that it'll be much e- even easier to see transformation in our own neighborhoods, whether it's Greenfield or New Powell or the surrounding areas, the whole east side, all of Indianapolis is just going to you know, go up in flames for Jesus, honestly. And um, I believe we're going to see the whole city saved. I believe that's why we have more churches than, than any other city in, in the United States, Indianapolis. Did you know that? More churches per capita than any other city in the, in the United States. I believe we're ready for, for the influx of the people. And so we go to this Pride Festival, and I'm telling them about uh, the satanic... I'm telling them... About, <laughs> let, me, let me rephrase that. I'm telling them about my interaction at the last Pride Festival with some people from the satanic church. And so the year prior, there was a young man that was... I had never encountered anybody from the satanic church before. And um, there's a young man and a young lady that are holding a sign, and it says, Free Satanic Hugs. And so this is 2018. I'm giving you some. I'm, I'm giving you some backstory. And <clears throat> my wife Lindsay points them out to me, and they're about from here to the sound booth, and they're holding this sign. And I'm touch love language, so I don't care who you are. If you're giving hugs away, I'm going to get one. And and so <laughs> I'm sorry. That's probably a little bit about me. And so. But the greater reality of that is, I know I'm having fun with it, is that I know that there's more released in a hug than there can be released in a prayer sometimes. All I need to do is get close. All you need to do is get close to Him. 
And if you'll let me, I've seen people set free, delivered from demons, just hugging them. I hugged a young lady one time on the, on the second row of church. I'll never forget, it was on the, on the right side. I'm not going to tell you her name. She had been addicted to heroin and meth for years. Pills, everything. She had lost her kids, her kids with her mom. First time she'd ever been to church. And I heard the Lord say, go over and give her this word. And so I prophesied over her, and then the Holy Spirit said, said hug her. And it wasn't one of those, you know, just youth pastor side hug. But it, it, was, it was appropriate. I don't want you to think that. And Lindsay and I got a work, deal worked out, so don't worry about that. We got an amazing marriage, and, and, and so we, you know, we do with what she's comfortable with. But I hugged her, and I just embraced her like a father would a daughter, and I held her. I mean, what was uncomfortably long for the both of us. I, I know it, it was, but it was one of those times when God's like, just don't let go. Because she needs, she needs this. Cry, snot, all on my shirt. It, I don't care. In a moment like that, I know God's doing something that's way bigger than me. W- way bigger than me. And that, from that moment on, I encountered that lady, or that young lady, two months later and asked how she was doing. And she was completely free from drugs. Had been since that moment. Heroin and meth, completely free. And get this, she hadn't even given her life to Jesus yet. I thought she was saved. Because a lot of times, I think if you're in church, you, might, you know what I mean? You're, you're saved. She was a part of a family. Her younger sister was sold out for Jesus on the worship team. You know what I mean? And so she'd been drug-free, no withdrawals for 60 days and didn't even have a relationship with Jesus. That's the power of God kept her. And then I got the privilege, Lizzie and I got the privilege on a worship night before, when I found that out before she left the building and then got to see her get born again. She's still going strong, still clean, back in her kid's life. But that's the power of, that's the power of love at work. Sometimes we think we got to have all the right words, hold our mouth right, you know what I mean, put our hands in the right places. Make sure things sound super spiritual. It's, I'm telling you, you just make yourself available to love people and anything can happen. And so I see who I found out to be Led. I remembered his name because of Led Zeppelin. And so, I don't know about you, I haven't been saved my whole life. And so I just told you, you know that. But uh, <laughs> so my, my sisters raised me on, you know, 70s, 60s and 70s rock. Even though I was, uh, you know, born at the end of the 70s. And, and so I remembered his name because of Led Zeppelin. Word associated helps us pastors remember names, especially when we're meeting a lot of people. And, and so I have Lindsay hold my water and I briskly walk towards this guy. And he's... 150 pounds, you know, and I'm just a little bit bigger than that. And so I, <laughs> I'm sorry, I wasn't completely honest. I'm, <laughs> I'm afraid, but I'm not two of him, but I'm, <laughs> I'm another half of him. <laughs> and I wrap this dude, I'm like, you know, I'm like, man, I just hug him. And I said, I love you, man. And he says, I love you too. And I, I'm like, he was just one of the nicest people I ever met. And so I get to pray for him. I get to prophesy over him. You know, I find out he's from a little small town. I don't know how he ended up in Indianapolis or a part of the Satanic Church, but 
you know, like I said, he was just nice. And so I went back. This is where, this is where people got offended. And so I walked away from the interaction. I went back with Lindsay, and, and, and the girl that was with her got, uh, or with him got um, got healed a migraine headache that she had right then. And another young lady prophesied over her and, and saw her healed. And as I'm, I'm talking to Led, and <clears throat> I walk away, and then I think I'm going to go back and get a picture with him. And so I go back over there, wait for him to get done talking, and so I'm going to I'm going to get a picture with the guy. And so he holds up his free satanic hug sign, and I've got my arm around him. There's a reason for it. Because the longer I'm closer to him, close to him, the more love is going to be released on him. And I'm just not offended by who he serves or who he thinks he serves or who, what, what religion he's a part of or, or what he's doing in the moment or what lifestyle he's in. If you read 2 Corinthians 5, right, and gets down to about verse 16, it says, We no longer regard anybody according to the flesh. In the Passion Translation, it says, We no longer regard anybody according to outward appearance. We no longer, let me say in, in today's language, you know, we no longer make snap judgments by the way that somebody looks. That happens to my friend when he, he goes places. He, he owns two businesses, by the way. And he, used, he cleans windows for one of them still. And he's tattooed up and he didn't get any tattoos still. He was a Christian. He's got big gauges in his ears. And these two sweet little old ladies went up to him one time and tried to give him a track and get him to get saved. He turns around, starts praying for them, prophesying over them. Both, are, both of them are crying. <laughs> They'd made a snap judgment. They thought because he got big gauges in his ears, he got long hair, He's sleeved out in tattoos. Must be a sinner. Must need Jesus. He's one of the most holy, sanctified, <laughs> on fire for Jesus people I know in my life. <laughs> you know, he's just... And so we don't regard anybody according to the flesh. What we do is we look for the divine image that's on the inside of every single person that God placed there before the foundation of the world. The stamped out image, a stamped out copy of the Father that's on the inside of that particular person. So him holding that satanic hug sign up does not offend me. Because I've gotten past the, you know what, two years ago, three years ago, that would have offended me. I would have wanted to go up to him and, and tell him how wrong he was. Or I wouldn't have went up to him at all because that's all I wanted to tell him. Remember what I told you God measures in? Isn't in right or wrong. The message of the gospel was never intended to be preached to prove somebody wrong. The message of the gospel was intended to be preached to bring reconciliation back to the heart of the Father through all of humanity. We get to cry out as, as the Father was through Jesus, be reconciled back to God. Not look how wrong you are. We're talking about kingdom life. I'm still on the same topic. Talking about light. Talking about being love. Talking about releasing truth. And so yeah, it would have finished. It showed me that day I learned that I had been growing in love. And I was excited about it. 
Do I have a lot more growing to do? Absolutely. You could ask my wife if she was here, she'd be shaking her head. Yes, I have more growing to do. But I knew that I had grown past the point that the way that somebody looks or who they appear to be representing in the moment, even if it's Satan himself, because a lot of people are representing Satan themselves, they're just not a part of the satanic church. This guy's just bold enough to, to do it in public. <laughs> You know, okay, so, so I walked away from that interaction encouraged. But when I showed that picture at church on Sunday, I felt the spirit of religion. This is our church. I felt the spirit of religion rise up because people were like, what's he doing taking a picture with this guy? I brought two people up the following Sunday when I showed it again. <laughs> Because if I feel the spirit of religion, we're going to hunt that thing out and destroy it. Right? Because religion is meaner than sin. It really is. Religion is meaner than sin. It's a whole other kind of bondage. You know, I know it from personal experience because I came out of addiction. And what I got, I got into was a, a stream of Pentecostalism that, that put me in, in bondage. And you know what? It kept me away from doing some of the things wrong, but I probably hurt more people than I can count in the process. With bad prophetic words, I've walked through the good, the bad, and the ugly of the prophetic. It was the ugly, the bad, and, and now the good. <laughs> that's, that's the way that it went. And, and so in deliverance too, I, I walked through a whole gamut of stuff and in a short period of time. And I'm grateful for the lessons I've learned. I'm not grateful for the people that, that were, they were learned through. Right? There are people that I probably hurt in the process and not, and not loving them well. Because love was not, that's what it says in 2 Corinthians 5. Paul says, we are compelled by love. Look what it says in the Passion Translation. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 in the Passion Translation says this, For it is Christ's love that fuels our passion and motivates us. It's Christ's love that fuels our, our passion and motivates us because we are absolutely convinced that He has given His life for all of us. That means all died with Him. Verse 15, so that those who live should no longer live self-absorbed lives. I love that. But live lives that are poured out for Him, the one who died for us and now lives again. So then from now on, we have a new perspective that refuses to evaluate people merely by their outward appearances. So I'm telling Jeff and Siraj about, about lead. I'm telling them about the, satanic, about the satanic church and how they were there last year. They had a booth and, and how I hope to see lead again. But somehow that gets us on this mission to find their booth. I, I don't know how it happened, but in the process, like I told you, the, the Saturday before was the Spencer Pride Festival. The following Saturday was the Indy Pride Festival. And, and the Spencer Pride Festival was my greatest day in, in seeing God do things. And, all, and I've seen, I feel like I've seen some great things in meetings. I've seen a lot of people healed at one time. I saw as many people or more people healed in that day than I'd seen in any, any one church service. Until I went to the Indy Pride. And then I saw even more people encounter God. More people through the prophetic, more people through healing miracles. I think there was every person but one person got completely healed from torn ligaments to messed up knees. To, I mean, it was just 
a person after person was getting, I mean, Siraj and Jeff, it was, you know, I mean, it was like they were a, a kid in, in a candy factory. You know, braces, casts, canes, they're just going after people. And we got two young ladies that are holding up signs. And so for 45 minutes or an hour, because we're just doing outreach style, we don't have a tent. And so for 45 minutes, an hour, we didn't leave a 15 foot radius because people just kept stopping us, kept stopping us. And so these two young ladies stop us and they're actually there helping their moms or helping their mom and um, their sisters. I don't find that out until I'm like <laughs> deep into this interaction that their sisters, they didn't look a whole lot alike or maybe I just missed it. I don't know. But um, so they walk up to us and one of the sisters wants a spiritual reading. She's 17. Her sister's 19. And so me and another young lady, Annie, uh, Annie Starkey, we start to, to give her words. You know, and have you ever started to prophesy to somebody and then you start to see something that gets real? Like it's no longer just encouragement, no longer just edification, but Jesus starts to show you something in their life that, that gets really intimate, really personal, really fast. And in that moment, what I, I, I do and what, what I hope you probably already know to do is, is that I'm, I'm to step back and see what I'm supposed to do with that privileged information that I just got. Because every time I get to see something about someone else, it's a privilege. Every time I get to give a word that's accurate or I hear something from God for someone else, it's always, always a privilege. Every time I get to minister from the pulpit or, or minister in the streets, every time I get to share a moment with somebody, lay in my bed at night and I think about the moments that I get to share with people. And I meditate on the moments that I get to share with people because what it does is it increases the capacity for me to carry more love. That it's no longer just interaction. It's no longer just a salvation. It's no longer just another word I gave. It's no longer just another healing that I get to write down the testimony and share the testimony of. It's a moment I got to share in somebody's life that God brought change and transformation through the power of love. Never let it be just another testimony. Never let it be just another prayer you got to pray. Never let it be just another word you got to give. Another time you got to speak. Never let it be just. Always, always look at the value of the interaction that you get to have with somebody. I mean, God allows us to be a part of some of the most intimate and special moments in people's lives. Never get caught up in what I did. I got caught up in just the machine of ministry, of just giving more words and writing down more testimonies. And, and the healings, it wasn't about the person, it was just about seeing results. And the people that were getting free, it wasn't about their deliverance, it was just that I made the devil leave again because I hate him and, and I knew I could. Well, never fall into the machine of that stuff. If you're there, there's a quick exit out of it. It's called repentance. Repentance is changing your mind about the way you currently think. Turning away from what you're currently involved in. Mine was a ministry-driven, performance-driven life. It led, me, it, it led me headlong into the heart of the Father because I had good people around me that were demonstrating what it looked like to walk in love, which leads me into dark places. He asked me why. Will you go to places that, no other, that the other Christians really don't want to go or it offends other people? It's because of that 2 Corinthians 5. Because I spend time with the Father daily and my prayer is this. 
more of you. I want to look more like love. Every day, I want to look more like love than I did yesterday. I don't care what it costs me. I don't care what other people think. I don't care what they say about me. I don't care about ridicule. It doesn't matter. I don't care if they think I'm a social. I don't care if they see me in that bar and they think, would the pastor have a bad day? And No, he had to get a couple of shots. I, believe me, I don't need alcohol to be intoxicated. I can do it right here, right now. I won't because you don't know what happened, but I may not come back. It should be good for me, but not great for you. And so, so I don't care where it, I don't care where it takes me. I don't care where it takes me. It just doesn't. And I thank God for the people around me, mainly my wife, that has pointed me towards this. It is as you need truth. If you don't have them in your life, get truth tellers in your life. People that will tell you the truth and won't let you throw a pity party, but will always speak truth into your life no no matter what. Right? Faithful are the wounds of a friend. The world says that a friend will will stab you in the front. (laughs) A friend will tell you the truth when you're throwing a pity party and they won't let you stay there. All right? A friend will will call you out when you're, you're, you're living in lies. A friend will call you out when you're your thinking is hopeless or not the highest level of hope. A friend will call you out when you're not operating out of your identity. That's the kind of friends you want. That's the kind of friends I keep around me. <laughs> I, need, I need those people in my life and I'll do the same thing to my friends. Right? I'll share that with them because I love them. That's what you do when you love people. You're not mean and nasty about it, but they've given you access to their life. It's what kingdom relationship looks like. It's kingdom life. So I really don't feel like I'm supposed to finish the story of the, of the young lady. I will tell you this, and I don't even know why. I'm just going to be obedient, okay? Is that all right with you? But the young lady gave her life to Jesus out of that interaction. First girl, uh, first person I've ever seen saved at the Pride Festival. I usually don't even, I, I usually don't feel like I'm supposed to ask people if they want to give their life to Jesus. Because it's just... Like I said, it's, it's sowing and it's watering. In that moment, I'm like, forget all the rules, forget everything I taught, forget all that. I need to know if you want a relationship with Jesus. And she, she surrenders her life to Jesus. I find out that her, her sister's actually in a youth group that's right down the road from my house in a great church. And so I don't even have to worry about discipleship because her sister's going to disciple her. And, and you know what I mean? And, and she, gets, she got healing that she needed that day and, and then comes into the kingdom. And, and, and guess what? They were just trying to help their mom. People are crying out from the inside of their heart to be loved as they go about their day and they don't even know it because it's what they were made for. And then you become the answer to that cry. <laughs> Isn't that great? You become the answer to that cry. Just one simple interaction. They approached us. And so we, we see, I don't know how many people, we, we had in two and a half hours, I don't know how many people that we, we prayed for, saw, encountered Jesus, got to love on, give prophetic words to, interpret dreams. 
I don't know, we had 23, 24 testimonies that we, we got between just a few of us. And we didn't even get Jeff and Shiraj's. <clears throat> so we're still on this mission to find, to find the Satanic Church booth. And so we finally find the Satanic Church booth, and I get to get another picture with lead. <laughs> I get my arm around him, and I say, hey man, can I, can I, release, can I release love on you? Can I, can I just really, he, he already knows I'm a Christian. I, I, you know, he knows who I represent. He, he's like, yeah, sure, man, that's what it's all about. I'm like, you have no idea what you're allowing me to do. Because when I'm releasing love on you, they think it's the love that the world's talking about. Acceptance, do what you want, just accept people how they are. It's not that at all. When I release love, I release God. Because <laughs> God's love. And so I'm just releasing Holy Spirit on this dude. And it's like I'm just loving on him and encouraging him. And, you know, and, and so there's a young lady that's working in that booth that Siraj actually went to school with. She's on break. We'd encountered her earlier because she's walking around with the free satanic hug sign. She's got fibromyalgia throughout her whole body. She's had a messed up life. I won't tell you all the details and I won't tell you your name either, but so we, we see her for the second time because the first time she wouldn't let Siraj and them pray for her. She's like, maybe if I see you later, you know, we're holding the sign. She's just trying to find excuses. Well, come to find out she works in the satanic, so she's part of the satanic church, an active member, and she's an atheist, which I don't, I don't even really know how that works, but <laughs> I don't know, you, you know what I mean? It's just, yeah, I, I was confounded. I, I'm not sure what was going on. So. So we, we encounter her again, and Siraj starts talking to her, and he's like, hey, how about now? Can we, can we release healing for you? And she's like, I don't want you guys to feel bad about yourself. She didn't say bad. She said something else. And so, and I'm like, oh, don't worry. You're not going to make me feel bad. That's, you're fine. You know what I mean? Just, just let us pray. Even if nothing happens, you're not going to make me feel bad. That's okay. We just want to release healing for you, you know? And not saying it to her in a condescending way, just letting her know. You know what I mean? It's just like, it's, you know, you, internally I'm thinking, you don't have the power to make me feel bad. Because <laughs> really nobody has the power to make you do anything or make you feel any certain way. Do you know that? We won't talk about that tonight, but. <laughs> I'll let Rick talk about I'll let your pastor talk about that. So, <clears throat> those are fun, fun combos. So, Siraj finally gets her. She's got level 10 pain throughout her whole body, fibromyalgia. And Siraj prays prayers that are five seconds or shorter. He's like, release healing in Jesus' name. How do you feel? That's, <laughs> I'm telling you, that's every time he prays. It's, unless he's prophesying, it's just, it's just short prayers like Jesus prayed. The only long prayer we see Jesus prays in John 17. I believe that there was more into that prayer because it would take more to see the church unified than it would to see somebody healed. We were created to be one, right? One body. So, so he prays short prayers just like Jesus and he, he, he releases healing for her and says, how do you, what do you feel? Is what we ask her. What do you feel? And the first thing she says is, I feel loved. The first thing she said in response to 
a prayer that was a few seconds long was, I feel loved. Here's a girl who's a satanic church member, self-proclaimed atheist. And the first thing she feels is love. That was the goal. Did you know that healing wasn't actually the goal? That having an accurate prophetic word wasn't actually the goal. That kingdom, you know what it boils down to? We're talking about kingdom life. Kingdom life is this. You love people the way that the Father loved people through Jesus. You love people the way that the Father loves you. Now that does take seeing Him accurately. But when you have a healthy perspective of the Father, it's just that I go about my daily life with this one agenda. Make sure that I touch somebody with love every single day. And the people that are currently in my sphere of influence don't count because that's a given. Right? Everybody within my family, in my household, in my sphere of influence, they're already a given. I'm talking about strangers. She fell into that category. She felt loved. I'm like, that's what we wanted. Right there, I could have just fell down on the ground and cried. I'd like to say that it got, it, it got better, but I don't know that it could get better. Right? If you're focused on healing, it gets better. Because Siraj asked her, he's like, where's your pain? She's like, I don't want to tell you. He said, why? She's like, because isn't this a Christian thing? And I'm an atheist. We're like, well, it's not a Christian thing. It's just a Jesus thing. Because she knew he's a, she, they're friends on, you know, on Instagram. If you're friends with Siraj on Instagram, you know what he's about. Right? She knows he's a Christian. So we, there was no you know, disclaimer at the end of this conversation. She knew what we were doing. And so she, <laughs> he's like, I know at that point her pain's gone. She just didn't want to say anything. So she, I asked her again, hey, so where's your pain? She's like, it's blankety blank gone. I don't know what's going on here. I can't, I don't understand this. This doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> Fibromyalgia, pain all through her whole body every single day of her life for I don't know how long. And every bit of it evaporated in a moment because of love. I tell her, I said, you, I said, Jesus did this because he loves you. She said, I don't know about that. I said, you don't have to know about it. Just remember what I told you. That Jesus did this because he loves you. He has one agenda and it's to make sure every single person that's on the planet or ever will be on the planet knows that they're loved by the Father. You know why he doesn't have to be behavior focused? I'm an example of it. He came into an 8 by 10 room, made himself real to me. He showed me the love that I've been looking for through all the different events in my life, through all the different people and, and things that I did and the drugs and the lifestyle that I was living. I was looking for love that whole time. And he showed me love in a moment. And when he showed me love, it changed my behavior. He didn't have to tell me what was wrong in my life. He didn't have to tell me what, what I needed to change in that moment. What I needed to change in that moment was changed by His love. See, sometimes I think that we're going about, and I do this too, is that I'm trying to change somebody's behavior through correction and through my words. 
and bringing them into a revelation that I have. But sometimes I believe we just love them in that moment. The Holy Spirit would do what He is intended to do and break the power of that behavior of their life through the conviction of the lifestyle that you live in front of them that is a life of love. That's not a life of religion. This is what I felt like God wanted to do tonight. I felt like He wanted to give us upgrades in how we see ourselves so that we can get an upgrade in love. Growing in love. I want to say this right. Let me preface it with this. I'm not saying that you shouldn't focus on growing in the prophetic or being more accurate or being able to interpret dreams or being able to see more people healed or, you know, asking God for, for more breakthrough in the miraculous. I'm not saying you shouldn't do any of that. You should. Absolutely. But from the place that you're doing it from compelled by love and that before that prayer of increase and in all those things that we love to see and all those things that we love to see happen and love to operate in, that the first prayer would be, grow me in love. I want to look like love before I want to see any of that other stuff happen. And if I had to give up everything in ministry and the rest of my life was to look like love, I'd do that. Right? We have to get the example through the Apostle John. It's said at the end of his life, though we don't see it in the Bible, it's said at the end of the life that he just walked around and he said, love, 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 love. You know how he got that revelation? You see it at the Last Supper. You see it in John 13. You see it after Jesus had served them and John being a teenager, 15, 16 years old, looking up to Jesus, quite possibly a father, at very least a big brother. More likely a father. After he'd spent this time with him, John's laying with his head on his chest. I don't know about you, but when I was 15 or 16, you wouldn't have caught me doing that to somebody I'd just spent a few years with, three years with, too prideful, too scared, too scared of intimacy, because I didn't know what it was. I thought intimacy was something physical, but it wasn't, it's not. Intimacy is intimacy. It's heart to heart connection. John had that with Jesus. That's why he wasn't scared to lay back against his chest. He wasn't scared what anybody thought. He wasn't scared what people would say about him. And that's how I want to be with Jesus. I want my heart's cry to be. I want to be closer to you every day. I don't care what people think. I want to live out Romans 1.16 for I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it's the power of God unto salvation for all those who believe. Right? I'm unashamed of the gospel. That means me being unashamed of my relationship with Jesus. Of intimacy with Him. That's how John got there. That's how John got the face-to-face -face interaction in, in, in the book of Revelations with Jesus. That's how John was able to write in, in 1 John that God is love and nobody else wrote it. Right? 
It was John's intimate connection to Jesus. John had an intimate connection to Jesus that nobody else had. It isn't that it wasn't accessible to anybody else. It wasn't that, that <laughs> he was the one whom Jesus loved, but, but everybody's the one whom Jesus loves, right? Every single one of us are the one whom Jesus loves. So he was just able to say about himself because, well, he wrote the, the, the book. And so he wrote the, he wrote the Gospel of John. He was able to say that because of that. But because of his relationship, he was secure enough to say, I'm the one who Jesus loves. When you're able to see that, it's because you see the Father accurately and in turn, you'll see yourself accurately. Everything comes out of those two things. How I see Him is how I'll see me. How I see me is how I'll see all of you in the rest of the world. This is the foundation of Christianity. It's how we live kingdom life. So John has this intimate connection to the Father that I believe has set us up and set an example for us of what it's to look like to walk in kingdom life. It's to have intimacy with Jesus. I'm all, into, I'm all into reading the greatest books and getting impartation from the most amazing people. I'm all into getting prophetic words and I'm into all that. I want everything. I'm, you know, when we have a guest speaker, I'm having them pray for me. We had Scott McNamara a couple weeks. I'm like, pray for me, dude. Give me impartation. Everybody I get around, leaders in our region, I'm asking them to impart to me. Just, just pray for me. But there won't be one ounce of that impartation that's activated in my life if it doesn't come through intimacy. It all hinges on an intimate connection with Him. It's, it all hinges on my relationship with Him, my intimate connection to the Father through my interaction on a daily basis with Him. I promise it's not rocket science. It's really just spending quality time. How do you have a good marriage, right? When you have good communication. You spend time together. You spend time with one another. You know, when you get so close, you've been married so long that you can spend time with somebody and you don't even have to say anything. All right? Just spend time together and it's, it's good quality time. make sense to you guys okay why don't you stand with me Is this thing on wheels I just want it right there I don't know why you came, but I'm glad you did. As I said earlier, I counted a privilege to spend time with, whether it's one person or 10 or, or 20 or hundreds, it doesn't matter to me. I'm just grateful that I get to spend time with, with people. Because I, I love, I just love being with, with hungry people. And I, I know I'm in the room with hungry people tonight. So this is, I told you that I felt like God wanted to do upgrades in how we see ourselves and in turn grow us in love. 
I feel like that God's going to give a baptism of, of fiery love tonight. I don't get to decide how that happens or what it looks like or, you know, I just do what I feel like I hear and, and, um, and believe in faith. And, and then, then there's a response that comes from the people who get it, right? You, you get to respond. And the, and the response is, is simple. Don't ever overcomplicate your relationship with, with Jesus, with the Father, with Holy Spirit. Your response is, is this. Your response is, I, I want to know you more. At the end of Paul's life, in, in Philippians chapter 3, and verse 10, Paul's getting ready to die. And I feel like Paul was a man who knew God. Right? He looked like he knew God to me. He, he went through it. And if he didn't know God and the things that he went through, he'd have been crazy. He had face-to-face interaction with God. I don't know exactly what that looked like, but he'd got divine revelation from him. He didn't have to meet with the apostles. He got divine revelation from Jesus. He'd encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus. He was changed from Saul to Paul in a moment. I mean, that was a powerful encounter. I know that he had more encounters than that one. He'd seen amazing things happen. He's seen the dead race, seen all kinds of miracles. Got to preach to kings and <clears throat> everybody from the, the bottom of, of society on through. At the end of his life, he makes this statement that still, still shakes me to my core. Is that I may know him. And the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. that I may know Him. That right there is intimacy. I want to know you. I don't want to just do the stuff. I want to know you. Because when I know you, I'm going to look like you. And then all the stuff that we pray for, and the upgrades and all the other things that I talked about, and the miraculous and the signs and the wonders and all that stuff, that stuff's just going to start happening. You just walk by people and stuff happens. You just walk by people, get near people. They get free, they get healed, they get peace, they get whatever they need. Because my goal is no longer the stuff, my goal is knowing Him. And in knowing Him, I'll do all the things that that we got to talk about tonight. I'll show them the way. I'll speak truth to them because I'm allowing truth to transform me. Because I'm knowing truth. The truth is not only the Word, but the Word is a person. Right? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word is a person, therefore truth is a person. His name's Jesus. So by knowing truth, I'm knowing Him more. I'm knowing His characteristics. I'm letting that Hebrews 4.12 thing happen in me. The Word is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, right? <laughs> it's cutting away things and revealing things that, that don't need to be there and were never supposed to be. And then also I'm releasing life. And life is not just released through prayers. It's released through every action that you... Every action, every step, every word that you say and every conversation that you have. There come a point, if this will be our, our cry, that I may know Him... There'll come a point in our lives just over coffee through, through just talking to people. We'll see them just cry out and say, I want to know Jesus. 
we'll get near people and we'll, we'll see demons scream and, and run. We'll get near the, the cancer and the, the people that have cancer and are afflicted and are sick. And we'll just put our arm around them or we'll just speak an encouraged word to them and we'll see God heal them. I believe more will happen on accident than happens on, pers- than happens on purpose when our cry is that I may know Him. I had it all backwards from the beginning. I thought I'd try to do the stuff and get breakthrough in the stuff. And then in doing so, I just have this dating relationship with Jesus. That wasn't what he wanted at all. He wanted marriage. Marriage covenant is what we said yes to. And so if you would do this. just want you to hold your hands out in front of you like you're going to receive a gift. Holy Spirit, come. Please. Come with more than you've already come with tonight. Come with more than you've already come with tonight. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, Father, would you release the fiery baptism of love that I, I felt like you talked to me about. That you'd baptize every person in this room, every person that listens to this in your love. That the power of anything that is contrary to love would be broken in this moment right now in Jesus' name. And that as you baptize us in your fiery love, that there would be parts of our minds that would be transformed in a moment. That you would overhaul the way that we look at ourselves. We thank you for the upgrade right now of how we see ourselves and therefore an upgrade in looking like love. We thank you for the ability to see ourselves from your perspective and not from our experience or what's been said about us or even the education as amazing it may be that we have or what life has told us. I thank you that from now on life won't speak louder than truth, that experience won't speak louder than your truth about who we are. Yeah, thank you. Thank you that you're pinpointing every part of our hearts right now that needs love released into it. And that you're bringing healing and restoration to damaged hearts. Thank you for no more fractured love coming out of us. But thank you for pure, unconditional, unadulterated love coming through us. Just the way it came through Jesus. And I pray for every person, even for myself, that this would be our heart's cry, that we would know you, that we would know you more each day, that you would be the realest person in any room to us, that we would have that type of relationship with you, that you'd be more real than the person sitting next to us, more real than the people that are around us, more real than the ground that we're standing on that we'd be that intimately acquainted with you.
that we'd know your heart and that we'd know your mind in every situation for every person that we encounter. That we would truly live a kingdom life in our marriages, in our parenting, in our daily interactions, in our workplace, everywhere that we go, that we would live kingdom and therefore release kingdom. Yeah, Father, thank you for fire being released right now. Thank you for fire being released, not only for the people that are here, but for this house. Thank you, Father, for an increase of fire in this place. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Thanks for fresh fire. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.